Welcome to the Jersey Heritage Podcast, where we give you access to fascinating historic sites and collections that are not generally open to the public. Today we're at the Maritime Museum, looking at the various boats that make up the Jersey Heritage Historic Fleet. But before we head into the museum, we're going to climb down these granite steps and make our way across a floating pontoon so that we can get a closer look at the boats where they're moored in the harbour here in St Helier. So we're sitting here in the harbour, actually on the deck of the Howard D, which is one of the boats in Jersey Heritage's historic fleet. I'm here with Doug Ford, who um, is, has been involved with the Maritime Museum for many, many years. And so, Doug, could you tell us a bit about the historic fleet? I think the catalyst was actually when we um, set the boat building the Maritime Museum, because then what we wanted to do was to take the boats that we had and present them on water. So many maritime museums keep a boat on dry land, but then the problem with that is the boat dries out and it becomes a collection of timber and string, basically. And so our idea was to have the the fleet in the water and being used. And that, of course, necessitated maintenance. And so we'd had a, a, a workshop within the maritime museum and it was in public so that the visitors could actually engage with the people in the workshop and ask them what they were doing. The first boat, I suppose, that um, started the, the, the um, restoration idea or the, uh, that floating fleet idea is the Fiona just over there. But Fiona was built in 1860 uh, as a, a longliner, a fishing, 26 foot traditional fishing boat. And obviously over the years, you know, the last 140, 160 years, she's changed her appearance somewhat. Originally she had two masts driven by sail. About 1900 she went to convert it to a present rig of a cutter, single mast. Just after the Great War she had an engine fitted. Um, and then during the, the post-war period, like the 1950s, she was used as a, as a yacht. Um, when it came into possession of the of Jersey Heritage, the idea was that we would restore it uh, back to its um, glory. And then we, we had the, a survey done, we decided on the rig that what we wanted, we wanted to look as if she, you know, as she was around at the time of the Great War. And so she was rigged as a, as a cutter, no engine. Um, and that worked fine until the, the practicalities of, of modern harbours came into it. I remember we were going into St. Marlowe in, in 2000 and Bob was sculling, <laughs> sculling two and a half tons of gaff pig loveliness amongst all these plastic boats. They <laughs> were having <laughs> like a nervous hissy fit just in case we, we cracked them. And um, then it, be, it, it became obvious that, that we, what we needed to do was to put an engine back in there for um, those find manoeuvrings within a modern modern harbour. And so we, we put the engine back. At the same time, what we also did was we put the cuddy back on her. We, we looked at the um, a logbook from 1931 of the Harbour Works who, who used Fiona to um, as, as the supply boat for the Minky, a trip down to the Minkies over the summer. And uh, Mr. Lasela, who was the uh, foreman at the, har- at the Harbour Works, described sleeping in a four cuddy. I should give the dimensions. So we had the dimensions of the cuddy and we were able to rebuild it. And that, um, again, was a, an interesting thing because 
it meant that we no longer shipped so much water over the bows when we were out at sea. And then, of course, this one that we're on, Howard D. This one, it's importance to Jersey. I mean, she was built in Isle of Wight. She's a standard Liverpool class um, pre pre war um, lifeboat. But her importance, as far as Jersey's concerned, is she was the first powered. Uh, or motor-powered lifeboat in the island. So she gets brought here in 1937 by the locally-born philanthropist T.B. Davis and named after his son, Howard um, Davis. So hence the name, R.N.L.B. Howard D. And she was here throughout the occupation. And although she didn't take part in the evacuation of St. Marlow, she was standing offshore to look after the, the boats as they came back in. And she stayed here till about 48, and then she got moved over to England. Uh, but in her time here, she, she saved probably about 40-odd lives here. She was called out on a number of occasions. And it's really, as far as Jersey's history is concerned, the first time a lifeboat reached a wreck. <laughs> because for the previous 60 years, they'd been all-powered lifeboats. And although they'd gone out, Usually the uh, survivors have been picked up by a passing fishing boat or a passing. Uh, so this was the first time um, that the powered lifeboat could actually get out on, onto the scene. And she has a range about 100 miles. She could do seven and a half, seven and a quarter knots under power. And she had three sails as well. And looking at her, you wouldn't think she's actually designed to take about 40 survivors. Really? But I suppose if you're drowning, you're not that fussed about, um, <laughs> about comfort once you're, you're safe. Yeah, she doesn't seem that large. I mean, we're sitting on deck at the moment and I can't imagine 40 people here. And she is on the National Historic Boat Register. The other ones in the, in the fleet are on the National Small Boat Register. Um, so she's got an importance there. And of course, this is the boat that we took over to the Thames for the Queen's Diamond Jubilee in uh, 2012. And how, what was it like actually taking her across you know, to the UK? And that must have been quite a journey in itself. Um, no, we cheated. We put her, we put her on board a low loader and shipped her over to um, uh, to the mouth of the Thames, and then we we popped her in the and just we only went about twenty miles up, up river, so it was a complete oh, cheat. Yeah, so yes, we were hardly lashing up the English Channel. Um, it was simply on the grounds that it would have taken too much time, you know. So, um, uh, and I think it, it was uh, probably more practical to to do that. But the, the, the pageant itself was um, really interesting because, you know, you, until you see what a million people look like, <laughs> you've got no idea of how crowded the, the Thames was and the number of boats on the, on the river was phenomenal. Yeah, and it must have been amazing to be part of, of that very special day because it was such a unique occasion, wasn't it? It was a very u- unique occasion. Uh, I mean, we were one of the last crews to, to board the boat about 11 o'clock in the morning, but we were on board until about half eight at night, by which time, um, I mean, it didn't affect us too badly, but other crews were going down with hypothermia and all sorts. It wasn't the uh, nicest of weather from what I remember. <laughs> it was glorious until about two o'clock, and then it just sort of began raining, and I got by late in the evening it was it was quite cold and people were getting wet and uh, but sensibly we'd all taken our weather gear so it didn't really matter to us so I guess as mariners you're used to uh, being prepared for the elements so it's a huge undertaking A to restore these boats but then to kind of 
the constant maintenance to keep it's them afloat and safe and yeah and well lucky because these are in use so they get wet with seawater and so they don't shrink as much one of our boats which we eventually had to take out of the water was uh, diana she was clinker built and because she wasn't getting the use really her top sides began to open up and rainwater would, would cause uh, too much damage so we took the decision in 2014 to take her out of the water at which stage she'd been in jersey for 95 years and she hadn't been new then so she was probably 120 odd years old when we took her out of the water and so that that's the uh, the boat and the exhibition in the maritime museum which is the story of a a long a long story of a, a small boat that illustrates so much about jersey's history maritime history Mm, and people can visit us the Maritime Museum, can see that exhibition and, and see her out of the water. And, around yeah. And, yeah, and see how you know, she was another one of the boats that went down to St Marlow. And you actually see how, how small she actually is. <laughs> when, when they talk about small boats, she's small. Yeah, yes, it really brings it home, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's quite an undertaking to sell to St Marlow to rescue soldiers <laughs> in a boat that size. Yeah. Yeah, a remarkable story. I think we're going to move inside now to the Maritime Museum into the boat workshop and um, and continue the conversation there. So we've moved into the boat workshop at the Maritime Museum and I'm with Jeremy Dyson, who's the historic fleet technician. Um, so it's a great space here. You've got it all set up for maintaining the boats. Um, you've actually got a boat called Martlet, in the workshop at the moment. Can you tell us what you're working on at the moment? Yeah, well, with Martlet, uh, she's been um, uh, out of the water for a little bit longer than we'd have hoped. So we've had to redo and point up all its corking, which is um, an interesting technique uh, for for sealing the planks. Um, She's also needing... uh, quite a bit of work um, on uh, the keel line itself. Um, once, once that's sorted and the anti-foul is done, um, she can then go back in the water. Uh, there's a few, a few experiments to be done on the engine itself first, a bit of welding, soldering, sorry. Um, that, uh, that, that once that's up and running, um, she can go back in the water and join the fleet. And how difficult is it to find people with the with the skills to look after um, these historic boats? I imagine there are not many people these days. It's a bit of a dying art. Yes, it is. Uh, sadly, it's um, it, it's something that we we have to be aware of and try and make it as interesting for younger generations that we can pass on, and and those we are very few now passing on the techniques that traditionally we'll probably have to go back to again and again, as history has always shown, you know. Um, I know you have some volunteers who work here in in the workshop alongside you. So are those people who are bringing skills or are they coming to learn the traditional skills for looking after a boat like this? It's both, because you never stop learning anyway, Um, you know. But uh, at the same time... um, we need the volunteers. The volunteers are vitally important. You know, they, they are the blood to our arteries, really. And uh, however, 
you need to train and teach them or show them the new technique or the old techniques so that it, it can carry on and, and be passed on down. Yeah, so it's interesting that idea of sort of safeguarding these skills, passing them on to future generations. So there's Fair still enough. people who will be able to maintain and look after these boats. Yeah, it's vitally important. Um, visitors to the Maritime Museum might not be aware that the boats are actually out there in in the harbour, aren't they? And while we were um, chatting earlier on, looking at the boats, I could see there were people walking past and having a look and reading the the signboard to find out about them. So do they, there is quite a lot of interest in seeing them there afloat in the harbour. It's, it's funny, but since the modification or, or the, the revamp they're doing in the St Helier Marina, um, that we all had to move out and um, I've set up in the English Harbour the um, uh, the fleet's all nice in that well everybody's passing and seeing it and sitting down and asking questions yeah, yeah very so much now, it's yeah I, I think a, a few little flags and you know people will start start coming in it's interesting how many people are asking uh, how to get involved and so that's positive it's yeah. all good news that's great news yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to go up to the sail off now and have a chat to Bob Asplett, who's one of the longer-serving volunteers here. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, um, absolutely amazing, amazing work, and uh, yeah, great, great fun to get along with. So we just walked up the stairs from the boat shop, and now we're in the sail loft at the Maritime Museum. Um, it's a really nice, atmospheric room. We've got. Um, strings of pennants and flags strung from the rafters we've got anchors lying against the wall we've got lots of boat hooks and oars some quite shiny from varnish and other other ones that are waiting to be restored so there's obviously a lot of work that goes on up here uh, so bob i understand you were one of the people who took the howard d and sailed it up the thames as part of the queen's diamond jubilee pageant back in 2012 Yes, indeed, it was, it was a thing that I'll not forget for a long time because it was a, quite a thrill to, to take the boat and be in amongst another 100 or 200 of boats of the similar shape and size and everything else. And Yeah, it must be such a unique and memorable occasion to be involved in. So it's really lovely that Howard D was invited to be part of that. Um, so Bob, there's several boats in the historic fleet. Is there one in particular that you are especially fond of? Yes, I think the Howard Day is the one I'm most uh, fond of because I've been looking in after her mostly of, of all the boats and uh, I've been happy with her. It's a very fine looking boat. It looks very impressive sitting there in the harbour. It is. A very pleasant boat, and it is well still working quite well. Um, we have not had her out in a couple of years now, but I'm not expecting it to have any problems or any serious problems to, to get her going down and out out to sea for several miles and back again. Uh, I think I would take somebody else in another boat, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the Howard D is a real testament to all your years of, of dedication, and I'm, I'm sure everyone at Jersey Heritage is, 
you know, so grateful for all the work you've done and all your expertise that you shared. So, uh, so thank you very much. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this Jersey Heritage podcast. Further podcasts can be downloaded from the Jersey Heritage website or your usual podcast provider.